It's episode 61 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to Keto for Women. Thanks, as always, for joining me and yet another edition of the Keto Hot Seat. So we have so many more questions we still have to get to from a couple months ago when I asked for questions. So I am really, really going to try to hustle on this one and get to so many questions today. So we'll get started very shortly. Before I do that, a few announcements. First of all, I want to introduce a brand new partner to the Keto for Women show. Super excited. You've heard me talk about them before, definitely in the episode about liver health, because the things that we put on our body, those products that we as women use all the time, have such a huge impact on our overall health and particularly our liver health and our ability to detox and clear toxins from our system. So we need to put on the best quality products without all of those harmful chemicals and toxins that are in so many of the common products that we see out there today. And once I realized this, gosh, probably three years ago, I'd say, my first and only option was to switch to Primally Pure. A great company. One of my friends is the owner of that company and has made these amazing products. The recipes are just incredible. The ingredients are spectacular, totally clean, very, very good, healthy ingredients for your skin. And it just became this huge passion of mine to share these types of products with other women because it is something that a lot of us are missing the boat on and could be something that's keeping you from actually feeling as good as you could. It's something as simple as, for instance, the deodorant you're using or the lotion that you're using on your skin, the soap, the face wash, those kinds of things. And that's what Primally Pure has done. They've taken these products that we've used every day and made basically products that you could actually eat. They're so clean. And sometimes they smell so good, you kind of want to. So (laughs) just be aware. But they are sponsoring the Keto for Women show and super excited. We have a limited time offer for you all as listeners to use the coupon code KETO, the number four women at primallypure.com and you get 10% off. So this is only going on through the months of August and September. So make sure you get your hands on some Primally Pure products. Start making this switch to safer skincare. It's something that I know a lot of us have on our mind. It's definitely a little overwhelming. If you you start doing it in little chunks and find these products that you absolutely love, then it makes it so much easier and it really does take that burden off of you mentally, but also off of your body and your health and your liver in particular. Definitely start with the deodorant. I also am a huge fan of the beauty cream for your face. So Primally Pure deodorant is the only, the only natural deodorant I've ever used that has worked through my workouts, through my hikes, through hot summer days, through all of it. It works 100%. But I also love the beauty cream just to help fight wrinkles and aging and dry skin. So I think that's really great. And I am a huge fan of their dry shampoo, believe it or not. I was a little skeptical at first, but it 
works so well. I even use it on days that I've showered and washed my hair to just give it a little extra volume. So those are my three top products, although I've tried them all and they're all amazing. They all smell so good. I can't wait for you all to try them. So head over to primallypure.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number four women, through the months of August and September and you get 10% off your order. Let me know what you think. So that's the big news of today. Also, just a quick reminder, the next round of the Fat Burning Female Project is starting September 10th. I have picked the enrollment day. The enrollment day will be September 4th. It's a Tuesday. So put that on your calendar if you want to join in on the next round of the Fat Burning Female Project. I know there's a lot of interest and as you all know, it does sell out. So it's really important to either put that on your calendar and make sure you enroll on that day It is one day enrollment, or you can put your name on the email sign up sheet, and then you'll get notified the second that the enrollment does open. That's the best way to get notified to remind you and for me to tell you that the enrollment is open. So that's coming up. The current group that started in July is on week five, just about to finish up the class and move into their keto lifestyle. So very excited for them. It's always so great to just see it all play out. As much as I do this, it's always just equally as fun. Every single group. I just love it. And I do want to let you all know it's a few weeks out still, but I did pick a day to do another webinar. I know I got a lot of you who tuned in to the webinar I did a few months ago on keto for hormones. This one's going to be a little bit similar, a little bit different. We will, of course, talk about hormones and females, of course, but this one's going to be Somewhat like the talk I did on the keto cruise this past May will be more so like why is keto different for women? So basically what makes us have to do things a little bit differently for our keto diets and we'll talk more about the lifestyle and of course the hormones and the stress and stuff we talk about a lot here on keto for women, but you'll get to see my face and I'll have a little slideshow so you know mixing things up a little bit than just listening to my voice all the time. So if you want to be part of that, stay tuned for the information to sign up for that webinar. And it will be recorded. So if you can't attend live, no big deal. But it will be Friday, August 31st. So Friday, August 31st, sometime during the day. So I haven't picked the exact time yet, but it will probably be during the day. So if you have to work, you can tune in after work or over the weekend as it will be recorded. I'll be asking for questions too. So you'll be able to get some questions in even if you do have to listen to the recording and it'll be a fun time. No big deal. But I hope a lot of you can attend live because it's really fun to interact with you all. Okay, enough chattering. Let's get to some questions because I am so determined today to get through these. I'm not going to get through them all, but I'm going to try to get through them as many as I possibly can. I know I say that every time, but I really feel the need today because I'm ready to ask for some new questions. I know there's a lot of you waiting for me to ask questions. So we're going to get through these. Just as a quick reminder, my Keto Hot Seat episodes are questions that I have asked for on one specific post on social media. So through Instagram and Facebook, I ask, I call all Keto Hot Seat questions. I compile them and I take some episodes to get through them. It's taking a lot this time. There were a lot of questions, which is great. And this means that I guess the hot seat part of it means that I don't look at them. I don't prepare This is totally off the cuff. I'm reading these for the first time as I'm reading them to you. And this is just 
how I would answer if you were to ask me when we were having coffee about this question. So it's very much candid. Sometimes it's just my opinion. If I don't know any facts or details, it may be an opinion-based answer. Sometimes I don't even know that. I have no opinion or I have no answer, and I will let you know that I have no opinion or no answer, and we'll move on. So just so you know, it's very much off the cuff, and I will totally tell you if I have no idea what the answer is. All right, let's get going. I've been severely lactose intolerant my entire life and I'm 45. Since going keto this February, I have no signs of lactose intolerance and I eat cheese and cream daily. Is this because the lactose with carbs is so inflammatory that it blocks milk absorption? Also, is dairy besides butter and heavy whipping cream considered a good and healthy source of fat? I love your show. I've sent hundreds of women to your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I love the sharing. That's super important. Thank you. So first question Basically, sounds like she cleared up her lactose intolerance by going keto. I don't think it's so much that the combination of lactose with carbs was the issue. I think that there could be some other things that are potentially healing. So if you do actually have lactose intolerance, what that means is that you lack the enzyme lactase that is needed to break down lactose. So you cannot break down dairy products and you feel that in, you know, usually digestive trouble in those kinds of symptoms. And so that's one type of dairy sensitivity. But you can also just have a dairy sensitivity where you just don't do well with dairy. Your body gets inflamed. Maybe your digestion goes awry. So first of all, you know, it's important to know if you have a lactose intolerance or dairy sensitivity. It's actually not that important, but to this question, it is because if you have lactose intolerance, well, really, honestly, in either case, you could have started the healing process of your gut, which if you have a dairy sensitivity and you actually heal your gut, a lot of times you end up being okay eating dairy after you've taken the time to heal your gut, to get your good bacteria boosted, to eradicate any overgrowths that were happening, to get rid of those food sensitivities for a while and calm down the inflammation and immune system that lives in your gut and just take that time and then heal and seal the gut lining. This is all stuff that I do in my class, The Good Gut Project, but you know, it does take some time to heal the gut. But keto is really good as a part of healing the gut. It's not going to be all of it, but it could be enough to where maybe you have started naturally boosting up your good gut bacteria, which just that could help you tolerate dairy or other foods that you're sensitive to, even if you're lactose intolerant or you have a sensitivity, whichever one. And I don't know if you've actually been diagnosed with lactose intolerance or if you're just calling it that because you don't do well with dairy or you haven't your whole life and now you do. So I don't know which one this is in this case, but either way, you could just be healing your gut using keto and getting that process started. And that could be why now you do tolerate it. That would be kind of my biggest guess, but also just overall, if you are in ketosis and producing ketones on a regular basis, then you're starting to reduce your inflammation. You're starting to regulate your immune system. And so if you have a sensitivity to a food, it may just be that now you've calmed down your system enough so that when you do have that food, it's not enough to totally make everything go haywire and you can actually tolerate that. So that would be another thing. Also, Sometimes if people have a dairy sensitivity, they actually are fine with like really high fat dairy products, such as heavy whipping cream, because there isn't actually a whole lot of 
the protein involved in dairy because it's mainly just fat. It's just dairy fat. So a lot of people do okay with dairy fat. It's just the proteins found in dairy products that they don't do well with. So if you have a dairy sensitivity, sometimes you may be able to tolerate these really high fat dairy products just fine. So that's an option that could be happening to you as well. I'm not exactly sure what it could be, but for in any of you, in any case, if you're tolerating it, cool. I think a lot of you know how I feel about dairy and not to say that you shouldn't have dairy as part of your keto diet, but I do think it's important if you haven't ever gone without, I do think it's important to go without, to be honest, because I think there are a lot of people who are assuming that they do well with dairy, but really their immune system is just working overtime to make it appear to you that you tolerate it. So you're not experiencing symptoms, but that's because your immune system is just on the move. And eventually it's not going to stay that way. Eventually you're going to deplete that and then you will start experiencing symptoms. So I think it's best just to take the time to take it out for a little bit, a month at the least, preferably more like two, three months to know that you take it out, give your immune system a rest and then try it back in and then see if you notice anything, see how you do with those initial retrials of dairy. And that will really be a good indicator. Got a little bit off topic as always, but just wanted to point that out. She also asked, is dairy besides butter and heavy whipping cream considered a good and healthy source of fat? So this is also a tough one that I see with a lot of people going keto. First of all, the quality of your dairy matters so, so, so much. It's the same way I feel about quality of your meat and why I do support the need to really get the highest quality of meat you can. Same thing goes for dairy. So making sure that your dairy is 100% grass-fed, that it is organic, that it preferably, if you can get it anywhere, which I know it's hard to in the US, but if you can get unpasteurized, get unpasteurized. And, you know, it is pretty easy, I think, for most people to find raw cheese. So you can get raw grass-fed cheese. That would be the best way to go for sure. But a lot of us can't get our hands on raw milk so or raw cream. So that might be a little bit harder. But at minimum, do everything you can to get 100% grass-fed, pasture-raised dairy products. So that's the first thing. I think that would help me feel like, yes, dairy is an okay source of fat. But also, I just want you all to remember that that things besides butter and heavy whipping cream, which is what she mentioned, they do also contain protein, like I just said. And some people don't do well with those proteins. But if you do, just remember that cheese, you know, half and half and things that aren't 100% fat contain protein. So that might be something that you need to monitor to make sure that maybe you aren't eating too much protein for you. So that is something that could potentially be keeping you out of ketosis. Also, lactose is a sugar. So remember that there's going to be some carbohydrates in your not 100% fat dairy products as well. So keep that in mind too. Just really think about that. Keep that all in mind. No need to like start looking at all the labels and overthink it. But if you are relying on a lot of cheese or half and half or something like that, then just monitor it and see how you do. And like I said, maybe take it out for a little bit. I know it seems scary. I get this all the time that people do not know how to be dairy-free keto. Every single post for the most part that I post on Instagram and Facebook is dairy-free. I 
almost never eat dairy. And I've been keto for over two years and I'm fine. And it is super, super easy. So just know that it is totally possible. So if you really do want to find out how dairy is affecting you, then take the challenge. Give it a try. See what happens. All right, I have to move on or else I'm really never going to get through these. I have two burning questions, so I apologize for taking extra space. How does being on an antidepressant affect the results of a keto diet? How does a hormonal IUD affect the hormone balancing process of keto? So antidepressant, I don't really know like scientifically anything that would keep it. And I also don't know what you mean by the results. So I don't know what your definition of the results of keto are to know what you think an antidepressant would or wouldn't help with. So I think that there is the possibility that an antidepressant would keep you out of ketosis. It would definitely keep you from weight loss while in ketosis. It would definitely keep you from feeling stabilized feeling energetic and maybe sharp, I think. So I do think that a lot of the things that we assume we will feel and that we do, a lot of us feel when we get into ketosis, I really do think that a lot of those could be suppressed if you are still on an antidepressant. And I've seen that a lot because there are a lot of women in the keto space that are on antidepressants and you just can't get the full benefits or the full impact while being on the antidepressant. Now, I'm not saying to get off, of course, please talk to your doctor, work with your doctor if that's something that you want to try, see if that's something that you should try. But it's all individual. I'm not a doctor and I do not think that anyone should go off any medications without talking to the person who prescribed it for you. But just know, you know, if you are on an antidepressant and you're trying keto and you're not feeling all the things that you could be feeling or should be feeling or want to be feeling, it might be that medication. And so that's something that you need to factor in. Same thing goes with the second question you asked, which is the hormonal IUD using synthetic hormones to do different things to your menstrual cycle than should or would be happening without. So even though it's an IUD that is still going to kind of hinder your natural cycle to some degree. So it's not really something that you have a whole lot of control over, I guess you could say, when you have an IUD and you're trying keto. So of course, keto to regulate hormones, super great. I have lots of resources on that in the past 60 episodes. So you know how I feel about that when it's done properly. But with an IUD or with taking birth control pill or or something where you are using hormones as a supplement, essentially, you're not going to experience the balancing effect nearly as much, if at all, you know, especially with the pill, like you're just going to be kind of foregoing that for now. But if you are on the IUD still to some degree, even though it's less, of course, still to some degree, you are going to be experiencing that or not experiencing the benefits of keto with that IUD. Next one, what are the best apps to track macros? I do not know because I do not track macros. I never have. And I actually I see a possibility of wanting to do that for the first three to four weeks, maybe, of keto. But then I really highly promote not using an app beyond that. Once you've gotten the hang of it, once you know what your keto plate looks like, and you can start using your own intuition to keep you 
kind of around that range, then I really don't think that apps do anything but take you away from other joyous things in life. And I'm totally saying that from experience. I've done it. So don't have an answer for you. Sorry. Hi, lovely. Thanks so much for opening up another q and I've been keto for some time and fast for a few days a week to keep inflammation down. I noticed that I get really cold on fasting days. Is this my metabolism slowing? Ah, interesting. I noticed this too when I was fasting. And I guess in a way, yeah, it, it is your metabolism slowing. I think it's a couple things that are happening. I think first of all, your active thyroid hormone T3 is lowering a little bit when you fast. So that's causing this coldness to happen. I think also, I mean, just think about it. Your body is not getting the energy in the way of food, calories, our energy that it's used to or that it wants. And so, yeah, it can go to burning stored fat and all that stuff, but it's still, it's not exactly the same. It's not like eating a plate of a ribeye steak and broccoli with butter is the same thing as eating stored body fat for your body. It doesn't go totally correlating. You know, it's not totally the same. So it's not getting what it's used to getting or what it wants. So it's going to downregulate everything. It's going to just slow everything down so that it can conserve energy because it doesn't know when you're going to provide it food again. So until that happens, you're going to feel that slowing down. And of course, it will be, like I said, the thyroid hormone. It will be your overall energy expenditure. It will just basically slow all of your systems down. And I think we feel that as a lower temperature is what I would assume is happening. Now, again, this is not anything that I have researched or looked into really all that far, except that for me, it's just something, and this is something that I kind of came to the conclusion when I was fasting, that it makes sense that that's what would happen. You know, lowered energy intake equals lowered energy output for our bodies. Our bodies are very smart, right? They're meant for survival. They're going to do whatever they can to survive. If there's not food coming in for an extended period of time, they're going to downregulate until they get the knowledge that there will be more energy coming in. That's just kind of my overall thought on it. All right, moving on. How did you use keto to heal your ulcerative colitis? I've had it for five years and haven't been able to kick it without medication. I've been keto for 1.5 years. Thanks for all you do. So really important. Basically, when I got into remission from ulcerative colitis, it was a combination of a lot of things. So it was not just keto, although I think keto has helped me stay there for an extended period of time. Like I don't ever have any symptoms and I haven't since going keto, but it was also a complete change in my lifestyle. Like completely, I had to reduce or eliminate every single stressor I could. I had to go from, and I say this all the time, I think you guys know this story. I had to go from being this like type A go, go, go person where I could never have, I couldn't just sit down and not do anything. I had to be doing something all the time. I went from that type of person to this, just forcing myself to chill out. And so much of the autoimmune disease that I see, particularly ulcerative colitis, is very emotion-based, very stress-based. And when I see these women or people in general lower their stress and really work on their gut health, so those two things in combination, and then also go keto for the inflammatory and the immune system benefits, those three things are really like the equation, I think, that could actually get you off medication in the future or lower it 
perhaps. So it's not just diet. And that's a big thing that I think is missing in a lot of the people trying to use diet and dietary changes to heal their autoimmune disease. There's so much more. You know, you have to have a healthy level of movement. You have to have a really good amount of sleep and good high quality sleep. You have to really reduce your stress. You have to meditate. You have to journal. You have to go out in nature. You know, all of these things that I talk about that are really lifestyle factors that I think a lot of us brush to the side. Those become absolutely imperative really for all of us, but definitely if you have autoimmune disease, not something to overlook. So keto is great, but you've got to look at the other stuff. I mentioned the gut health stuff. If you haven't already completely checked out every nook and cranny of your gut, if you have autoimmune disease, please, please do find a practitioner who does gut testing and please find that out. And if it's ulcerative colitis in particular, you've probably had one, if not many, colonoscopies. I'm talking beyond that. I'm talking stool testing, full panel of stool testing. Find out how you're digesting your food, how you're absorbing your food. If you have any gut bacteria issues, any candida issues, find it all out. That makes such a big difference. Such a big difference. Okay. Again, something I could talk about so much longer, but I'm trying to get through these. Is the keto diet good for SIBO? I think I've talked about this, I think even just a few, I don't know, maybe it wasn't on the podcast, but I did talk about this somewhere and I will say again just quickly, yes, it is great for SIBO. I definitely have other podcast episodes where I have talked about this in more detail and most gut health diets actually are somewhat ketogenic because they're all low carb. So it just depends on how much you increase your fat if you get into ketosis or not, but they all reduce carbs because carbs are really the feeder of things going on in our gut. So any sort of like low FODMAP diet, candida diet, anything like that can be, I guess, taken to a ketogenic state. And keto is great for gut health. I've said that multiple times, even in this episode. So yes, I've seen really good results with going keto and taking care of your SIBO, but you also have to be working with someone on a SIBO treatment plan. Huge difference. It's not something that can just be healed with diet and you can't just go keto for SIBO. It's a part of a package. So keep that in mind. Find a practitioner if you haven't already. I would love to hear if incorporating keto meals into a family is beneficial or harmful for those in the family that are not going low carb, but now are being served fattier meals. Okay, going to keep this answer pretty short, but here's the deal. If the food is a real food nutrient dense diet, so even if it's not low carb, but like they're having sweet potatoes or plantains or fruit, something like that, but then you're also serving them fattier meals, then yeah, it's great. And of course, those fattier meals are things like coconut oil, fattier cuts of grass-fed, wild-caught, all those catchphrases we use to describe our meat nowadays. If it's that, if it's grass-fed butter or ghee, if we're using good high-quality fats and good high-quality carbs, then it's great. You're just building a more balanced diet with tons of nutrients. Now, if you're feeding them extra fattier meals, but their carbs are like animal crackers and cookies and chips and cake, you know, things like that, then that is where we're going to see an increase in inflammation. You're not really doing a whole lot to control the blood sugar. So it just totally depends on the type of foods you're talking about. So switching your family to an all real food diet would be the first step. 
I think, or as close as you can get. Of course, if they go to friends' houses or birthday parties, there's going to be times where it's just they're having pizza and cake, right? But if around your house, most of the stuff is really good, high quality foods, then increasing the fat a little bit is only going to be a good thing. Now, they're not going to go probably full keto fats, just bumping it up to the normal things, you know, the things that you're doing at your meals, maybe they're doing most of kind of situation, which is great. It's just my concern is really with the quality with that and you should be just fine. What macros do you feel are most successful for a leaner body composition? 5, 70, 25, protein, gram goal. There are several discrepancies from different ketogenic coaches regarding protein. Curious of your data. My data says that everyone's different. So me answering this question is totally pointless because what would be good for you would be different for me. Would it be different for Susie down the street? We're all different. So there's no right answer or wrong answer to this question. The answer is you finding out what works for you, what makes you feel good. So I think there's a wide variety of protein macros, for lack of a better word, that works for different people. So I think that that's something that you can really play around with and see how you feel. If you're someone that works out, maybe you need more. If you have a leaner body composition, you have more muscle mass, Maybe you need more, maybe you need less if you're more sedentary. It just totally depends. And that's the entire reason and message for the Keto for Women show is just letting you all feel comfortable and confident enough to find out what works for you and not talking to somebody else or looking at someone else's blog or Instagram or Facebook to see what macros they're doing and how lean they are because it's not going to work for you. You guys are not the same people. So there's no point. Like, yeah, I think it's great to get inspiration for meal ideas and things like that and just share each other's journeys, but our journeys are not going to be the same. So me telling you the macros that I eat for a leaner body composition, not going to work for you. So figure it out. Do your own testing. Do your own experiment. It's really fun. I decided to start keto after failing several diets for complex, rare chronic pain conditions and GI issues. I'm about to get stem cell therapy and was wondering whether it's a bad idea to start keto a week before my procedure since I may experience the negative side effects. Although I honestly already experienced them day to day with my current symptoms. Just listen to your podcast on Primal and so glad to have found you. Very insightful. No, I think if you which I never tell anybody to do. But if you are going the keto for women route with your transition into ketosis, you're taking things slow. So you're first of all, starting with a real food diet. Second of all, you're taking at least three or four weeks to make that transition into ketosis. So you're taking your time, lowering your carbohydrates a little bit each week, increasing your fats each week, moderating your protein as much as you need to based on what you're used to eating each week. Just do it slow, then you'll be fine. But keep it real food and you should feel nothing but good things that come out of your therapy treatment. I've been keto for three months and all three months I've had extra periods while on the pill, like three out of four weeks per month. Ooh, that's not fun. What could cause that? My PCP is very supportive of keto, but didn't seem to think it was keto related. I just went off the pill this week after learning from you about the negatives, but I'd like to know what could cause the extra bleeding. Thank you so much for all your encouragement and teaching. So like I mentioned quite often, if you have hormonal imbalances, if you have issues with your cycle when you transition to keto or while you're in ketosis, you're stressing out your body most likely. That's my very first thought whenever I hear this is that 
something that you're doing is causing too much stress on your body and it's showing up in changes in your menstrual cycle. So if that is the case, you need to figure out what that is. It could be that you've started eating less food. Maybe you're fasting too soon. Maybe you're not eating enough fat and you're not actually in ketosis. You're just in low carb purgatory because you've significantly decreased your carbs. So now you have no energy source. All the things I talk about here all the time, and I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the first couple episodes of Keto for Women, where I talk in detail about things that can go wrong with women in keto that would show up in your hormones. And so your hormones are going to show up most likely in changes in your menstrual cycle. So glad you got off the pill and you should start seeing that regulated as long as you are eating enough food, you're not fasting too soon, and you're in ketosis, and you've taken the time to ease into ketosis. Those would be my biggest advice. My What, three, four pieces of advice would be those. Could you do an episode on PCOS and its role in hypoglycemia and fatty liver? What if you have PCOS and still can't lose much weight after four months on keto? I am not going to do that here. I did a whole episode with Jimena de la Serna on PCOS. We will link to that in the show notes. Please go and listen to that. It will help you so, so much. I'm a mom of three young kids, ages five, three, and one. I've been trying to eat keto for over a month, but I've not registered any ketones with my meter, and I'm still tired and struggling with energy and moods. I don't handle stress well. Is there a point where I stop keto and just say this isn't working for me right now, or is there more I can do? With all the veggies I eat, I'm definitely averaging around 30 net carbs, so much more total. And that's without any occasional chocolate or berries. Please help. No, I don't think you say this isn't working for me right now. I think you just give your body a little bit of a break. (laughs) Listen to last week's episodes about signs you may be ketoing too hard and things that you can do to change that. I think it could be possible that you're stressed out and your stress is keeping you from actually being able to get into ketosis. So you're stressed out. You might not be sleeping all that much with ages five, three, and one. Those kiddos might be keeping you up. Sleep will keep you out of ketosis. You didn't say anything about the amount of fat you're eating. You only talked about the amount of carbs you're eating. So are you not eating enough fat to actually get into ketosis? Remember that first initial stage where you really need to make that transition so your body starts producing ketones, that first stage, you have to eat a lot of fat. You can't just lower your carbs. I did an episode about that about a month or so ago, and it was about, do you have to eat high fat to be keto? So go ahead and listen to that. Maybe you aren't eating enough of fat. So just increasing that could be the one thing you need. But I have a feeling it's that plus also sleeping and de-stressing. Just really work on finding some time for yourself, which I know is hard with three kids, but find some time for yourself, meditate, take a walk, take a few deep breaths, whatever you can do. Keto and Hashimoto's, do you have any tips for managing symptoms such as muscle weakness and fatigue? Well, I think, again, it's something where we look at diet, but it's everything. So diet's, of course, going to help. I'm assuming if you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, hopefully you've, like I mentioned back with the other autoimmune disease question, you've taken the time to do a gut health test. So looking at your gut health and seeing what's going on in there and what you can do to start healing the gut. So get everything balanced and regulated and eradicated if needed to and start healing the gut. Also, I hope you've done a hormone panel. If not, do that. Look at your adrenals. Look at your hormones via salivary or urine testing and see the state of your hormones. I think that's super important to Hashimoto's clients as well. 
and then just use keto, of course, to supplement all this. So yes, keto is part of the process. It's not all of the process for really any of us. It's an amazing adjunct to everything else that you're doing to become a truly healthy person, which should be a lot more. It should be more than just diet. We so often only look at diet and it's only part of it. So since you're experiencing muscle weakness and fatigue, I would assume that you have definitely some more things going on that's keeping you experiencing these symptoms of Hashimoto's and not experiencing the symptoms of keto, basically. We'd like to reverse that. And looking at your gut health, looking at your hormone health, making sure you are really managing your stress, you're getting enough sleep, you're staying away from toxins as much as possible. All these things that we talk about here on Keto for Women all the time, we actually have to implement. We actually have to do. And that's when you start seeing changes. Any advice on eye pain, which I think is linked to my omega-6 intake? I can't find much in the way of research on this, but when my carbs are low and I eat something high in omega-6 like chicken thighs or anytime I eat out, I wake up the next morning with my eyes dry, painful, and watering. Cod liver oil helps a bit, but it still happens to a lesser degree, even when I'm very carefully watching my omega-3 to 6 ratio. Increasing my carbs eliminates this problem. Well, it sounds to me like this would be an inflammatory response. So whenever our omega-3 to omega-6 ratio is off, so we really want that to be more of a one-to-one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6s. And in most American diets, especially if you are not eating real food, it's more like 16 to 1 or 20 to 1 omega-6s to omega-3s. So we really want that to be balanced when it is off. That's an inflammatory reaction. So that is putting your body into an inflammatory state. So really getting those omega-6s down and you notice that you feel that response, you feel that higher ratio in your eyes and it's causing an inflammatory response, it sounds like to me. So of course, yes, supplementing with omega-3s is going to help to some degree, it sounds like, but it's going to be limited. I would say definitely always have a supplement, like a really good high quality omega-3 supplement, which I have listed in my supplement guide back in episode 19, I believe. So you can go ahead and grab that and you can get started on a really good high quality omega-3 supplement. But You also have to eat those foods. So fatty fish should be a staple in your diet, especially if you notice things that happen when you eat things like chicken thighs or you eat out and you know you're getting more omega-6s, then you have to do your part to help your body out with that ratio. And so you really need to be on top of your omega-3 fats, which would be salmon, other fatty fish. The cool thing is that 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef is almost just as high in omega-3s as things like salmon, wild-caught Alaskan salmon. So that's cool. You can get some beef in there too, and you'll really see that start to climb. I just think you really need to limit the amount of like chicken thighs and things that you know are doing this. Limit that and really focus on those omega-3-centered meats and supplement too, continuously, all the time. Like not just when you feel this, all the time. Before we move on with this episode, I want to take a second to tell you all about Trabali Burgers. They are a proud sponsor of the Keto for Women show and one of my all-time favorite must-haves in the kitchen because 
They're so convenient. Trevally burgers are made of the highest quality, cleanest ingredients you can imagine, organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised meats, herbs, and spices. Basically, all of the ingredients you would use yourself if you're making your own burgers at home, except they've already done it for you. Not only that, they freeze them too. So these are frozen burger patties that are just the highest quality foods you would ever want. And that's what makes them so convenient. You take them out of the freezer, pop them in a pan or on the grill, and within 10 minutes, you're ready to eat. I always make sure I have them on hand for times when I'm traveling or I just forgot to take out things from the freezer to cook for dinner. This always comes in handy and makes a great meal no matter what. They come in three flavors, Mediterranean and umami that are the beef flavors and chipotle chicken, which is my personal favorite. So good as a taco salad ingredient. You've got to try it. Trabali burgers are available at Target and natural grocers now. They've been at Whole Foods too, so you can get them pretty much almost anywhere nowadays, which is really exciting. But you can also get them on their website at tribalifoods.com. That's T-R-I-B-A-L-I foods.com. And use the coupon code KETO, the number four women, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's tribaliburgers.com and use the coupon code KETO for women to get 15% off your order. You can go ahead and use the link in the show notes to head over there now and grab your burgers. You'll be so happy you did the next time you need a quick meal. I'm so excited for more hot seats. My question is, are heart palpitations, flutters normal at the start of a transition to keto? This is my second time doing keto, but I'm looking to make it a lifestyle change this time and working hard to listen to my body and give it a lot of grace and care. Heart palpitations have never been an issue for me in the past. I'm 34, otherwise healthy and fit and not overweight. I've never had any heart concerns. And of course, I'll check with a doctor if this persists. But the state of them correlates with the start of keto. I'm about a week in. All right, so I think that's enough of that because I know the answer. Yeah, you need to work on your electrolyte balance. So really make sure you are supplementing with electrolytes. I think that should be kind of a requirement for any and all people transitioning into ketosis. Work on your electrolytes. Get on a really good electrolyte supplement. The one that I recommend, again, is in episode 19's supplement support guide. So you can go grab that and get on those and really take the right amount. Find your dose. You may need even more if you are someone that works out or sweats regularly. You could need more supplementation of electrolytes, but that's almost always the case with heart palpitations. Your body just needs to re-regulate with the salt and water intake and with your magnesium, potassium in particular. So get those supplements and also make sure to put really good high quality sea salt in your water a few times a day when you're making the transition to ketosis and even once you're already in. I wake up every morning out of ketosis, been keto for over a year, no matter what I do. When I've eaten, macro ratio, fasting, you name it, sleep kicks me out. I sleep at least eight hours a night. I think this is the reason for my lack of weight loss. Could it be and what can I do? Thanks for being fabulous. No, this isn't the reason for your weight loss stall or lack of weight loss, but also not something to worry about (laughs) because a lot of us wake up not in ketosis and it actually isn't something to be concerned with. Our body's natural rhythm is that it produces more glucose 
right before wakening, so kind of early, early morning hours, it starts producing more glucose for whatever needs we may have throughout the day that do require glucose, which there are some. And so that little bit of extra boost of sugar in our blood will temporarily decrease our ketone readings, but not to the point where you're not in ketosis, you're no longer fat adapted, nothing like that. It's not a big deal. And you will notice that later on in the day, if you test around 4 or 5 p.m., you're in ketosis. So it's fine. And that's really why I first of all say don't test more than once a day by any means. That Even that I think is way too much. But also test later in the day. So test between lunch and dinner away from food, away from workouts, that's when you should be testing. You don't need to test first thing in the morning because a lot of times it's going to throw you off and it's not necessary. You're doing just fine. Next, how to get rid of candida? Well, this is the loaded question. First of all, test to make sure that you know that you have candida. Don't just assume it because you read online somewhere and your symptoms seem like it may be candida. That's one of the biggest mistakes you can make because you might be killing something or trying or taking all these supplements and spending all this money on something that when you have another kind of overgrowth that requires something totally different. So don't assume it. First of all, get tested to make sure you can do that through stool test. So get your gut tested. I've said, <laughs> I've been talking about these stool tests the entire episode. So clearly something I'm very passionate about, but really, really something I do think a lot of people need to do. So do that first and get confirmed. And then from there, work with a practitioner to actually get you on a good candida protocol. So it will be dietary to some degree. Yes. Keto is great for candida. Dairy-free keto, I should say. So dairy-free keto is great for candida, but you also have some other random things you'll have to take out just for a short term. Your practitioner will help you with that. But things like certain fruits and certain vinegars, obviously sugars and things like that, things that would potentially feed the candida. But then there's also a supplement protocol. And so really make sure that you, again, are working with someone who knows the right supplement protocol or else you're going to be spending tons of money on something, trying to do it yourself, and it's not going to work. I see this all the time and it's a huge waste. It really pays to find someone who knows how to treat candida it really pays to take the time to find someone who knows how to eradicate candida and do it once properly because supplements are key to success there. Example of three meals a day keto meals. I feel like all I see are huge meals from people who eat one to two meals per day. Ah, you should look at my Instagram because I eat three meals a day, at least usually three meals and a snack somewhere in the afternoon, but my meals are also big. They're huge. I just have three huge meals a day because I like food and my body likes food and my body likes nutrients and I feel really good doing that. So for me, an example would be like a couple eggs and a piece of sausage or a couple pieces of bacon, some veggies maybe for breakfast cooked in either the bacon fat or some tallow or something like that. Lunch is a salad with avocado, dressings, either chicken thighs or ground beef, something like that. And then dinner is roasted veggies and some sort of protein like steak or pork chops or something like that. It's really quite simple. That is really 90% of the meals that I eat are that. Now, they're huge, but there's a lot of veggies. There's lots of veggies and there's All the veggies have some sort of fat on them because veggies without fat are not good. Veggies with fat, delicious, huge difference. So that's kind of how I make my meals keto is just to have the veggies be the source to get the fat in 
to my body. Works really well, really easy. And so you may see my meals and think they're huge, but look at the amount of veggies that's on there and the amount of veggies that are carrying fats into my mouth. Really important. So easy. Is there a benefit from going from strict keto to a little more carbs? I really miss seasonal fruit. I've been in ketosis for a while with a few slip-ups and only really miss fruit. Unfortunately, I know fructose is very harmful, so not sure if I should try to ban it from my life or work in a small amount from time to time. Good question. I think that the biggest benefit is that you're going to be satisfied and you're going to have foods that you love and you're not going to miss out on seasonal fruits that are totally natural and healthy and normal for us to eat. It's not a big deal. I think that there's a lot of demonizing of fructose out there, but for most people, the fructose that comes naturally in the form of fruit that our earth has created is going to be just fine. It's in a perfect package that Mother Nature created for us to provide us nutrition and really delicious food without harm. So having some berries or a peach or watermelon, things like that, that are all in season right now is totally okay. And you probably, if you don't feel better, which is highly possible, like if your keto diet doesn't feel better for you. You don't have a little bit more energy, a little more spark or whatever. You're just going to feel exactly the same. I highly, highly doubt you're going to feel any worse by having a peach every once in a while or even a couple berries every day or however it looks like for you. But I think to deprive yourself of something that you really, truly want that is really healthy food from the earth is just not a kind of diet I want anyone to be on and not something I would ever promote. If keto looked like that, I would not promote it. I would be far, far away from that. But that's the beauty of a ketogenic diet is that you can eat your foods that you crave, that you want. And this is the one thing that you really want and you're telling yourself you can't have it. That's not a good relationship with food. But keto doesn't have to be that way. So we can eat the foods that we want, even though there's some carbs in it, even though it has fructose, you're going to be just fine. Your body's going to love it. You mentally are going to love it because you're eating some of your favorite foods. You're not depriving yourself of in-season things, which is so important. And you're going to feel great. So give it a go. I think everyone, honestly, well, I think most of us really should be taking advantage of the seasonal fruit if that's something that you really enjoy and have always enjoyed. I think most of us are going to be okay. Now, if you do have really severe blood sugar issues, you might not be. That's something that you're going to have to determine for yourself. But I think a lot of us are going to be just fine and really should be enjoying some of the fruits of the summer. They're so delicious and so good for you. So go ahead. I enjoyed your episode on birth control, but you did not touch on methods of permanent birth control, such as tubal ligation or Assure. What is your opinion of these methods? Which would you recommend? I'm in perimenopause, still have a regular cycle, removed my IUD after 10 years, and have completed my family. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about this, so I'm not going to be able to give you the answer that you are looking for. I would assume if you are just, this is, again, total opinion, just something I'm thinking off the top of my head. I don't know the answer to this entirely. But if you are doing a tubal ligation, it's probably totally safe and fine, I would assume. I don't think that it does a whole lot to your 
hormones, but I do not know that for sure. This is, I'm just thinking based on the very small amount that I know that you should potentially be fine. So maybe that's a route to look into more to really, what you want to look into is what happens to your hormones during this process and after. So how does that procedure affect your hormonal imbalance? So do you still have regular menstrual cycles? Do you still have ovulation, what's happening or what takes place because of that change. So that's something that you'd want to Google perhaps and see if that's the route to go for you. Obviously, I will always recommend the process that causes the least disruption to your hormones. So look into that, Google it, see what you can find out on how that affects your hormones. Both of the ones that you mentioned. I keep reading online that to correct hypothalamic amenorrhea that you should eat more carbs. Would you say different? I would. I talked about this quite a bit, maybe even just in the last hot seat or so, but I do talk about this a lot. If you are eating a ketogenic diet in the way that we promote here on Keto for Women and in the Fat Burning Female Project, you do not need to eat carbs to get your period back. That's not the route to go. Now, if you are not going to be in ketosis and you're trying a low-carb diet, it's not going to go well. It's not going to help your period. You're going to be in low-carb purgatory. Your body's going to be stressed. If you get into ketosis and you take the time to get into ketosis, you keep a lot of food in your diet, you eat a nutrient-dense diet, you eat enough fat, you know you're in ketosis, all these things that we talk about all the time here, you eat carbs when you want them and when your body's telling you to, you will get your period back it just works. It just really does. So that is the difference. Ketosis versus low-carb purgatory. If you're going to be in low-carb purgatory, eat carbs. Okay. I think we will maybe make this the last one unless I can talk really fast. Hi, Sean. Thanks for everything you do. Such a positive and support lighthouse in the keto ocean. Had a question about energy levels. Have been doing keto for nine weeks, testing ketones, and I'm always in the 0.5 to 1.5 range. I still have not seen any increase in energy or brain clarity. Get so lethargic by the end of the day and find it hard to concentrate at work. Taking electrolyte tablets, eating lots of fat, just can't seem to get over this tiredness. I would take a peek at your hormones. So like I mentioned, doing a salivary or urine hormone test to see where they are at, where your cortisol is at. You could really be suffering from some adrenal fatigue that is keeping you from feeling great, even in ketosis. If your cortisol is tapped out, like bottom basement, like I once was, <laughs> trust me, I know how it feels. You feel pretty darn crappy by the end of the day. So I would look at that. I would also be interested to know your blood sugar markers. So fasting glucose, fasting insulin, HbA1c, those would be the big ones that I'd like to see because even though you are in ketosis and you have been for, let's see, what does it say? Nine weeks. That's not really that much time to completely heal and stabilize your blood sugar if you have blood sugar issues. If you started with having a high insulin or high glucose or high HbA1c, something like that. If you are still dealing with an imbalanced blood sugar, that will show up as fatigue and brain fog too. So I'd be interested in both of those. I'd also be interested to know how much you are moving, like what kind of workouts you're doing, what kind of movement you're getting in how much protein you're eating. You know, there's a lot of different things. If you haven't already gone to see my Keto Roadblocks video series, I would do that because you might find yourself in one of those. There's 10, I think I just said like two or three of the possible 10. You might be able to find some more of yourself in those 
others that I have in that. It's just the free video series. They're super quick. They're all like a minute or two long. So you'll get through them all and it will give you some more options as to why you're not feeling all the benefits of being keto when you're in ketosis. So you can find that right on my website. We'll link to it in the show notes here too. Okay, I'm going to fit in one more. Hi, Sean, you are the best. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. I love all you are doing. Hot seat question. When fasting for 18 to 20 hours, do you have to consume all blocks within the first four hour eating window? I'm not that hungry and find it hard to eat so much. Thanks again. So when she's referencing blocks, she's talking about the Fat Burning Female Project and how within that class, how we basically quote unquote track our food for the first few weeks. So that's what she's talking about. This is the hard part about fasting because, of course, if you're fasting 20 hours, you only have four hours to eat. So within those four hours, obviously, you need to eat as much as you can. Of course, you're not going to be able to eat an entire day of food in four hours. It's going to be probably almost impossible. I do think that you could get a lot of it in, though. I think making the right choices to where you're choosing foods that maybe don't take up so much space and aren't as filling would be the best option. So obviously, that's going to be a lot of fat sources, a lot of different kinds of oils and things like that, that you're using in your meal. So I do think you can get pretty close. And I think that that should be a goal. Remember, it's kind of this like feast mode that we're in to some degree in a very nutrient dense way. So not feasting on like cupcakes and donuts, but feasting on really good, high quality, nutrient dense keto meals would be what you need to do in those four hours. But I think if you start the feasting right at hour one and then have another meal at like three and a half hours, you could get at least two really good meals in there. So that's really the goal. You're probably not going to get in as much food as you should in a normal day, but then throughout the rest of the week. So, you know, the other parts of the week where you're not fasting, I'm assuming you're not doing this every day. So if you have days off, that's when you really make up for some of the nutrients you may have lost too. All right. I'm going to stop there. We got through a lot. I'm feeling good. We're probably going to do one more episode on these and then we will ask for more. Can't wait. So be on the lookout for that maybe in the next month or so. And with that, we will end this episode. Thank you all so much for your questions. So, so fun to do this. I hope you're enjoying them as much as I am. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.